Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within. To seek out new joys and new methods of awakening. To boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, Awareness Explorers. I am happy that you're here, and I'm happy to have my sidekick, Brian Tom O'Connor. There you are. And I'm also uh, happy and eager to have a person that I've grown to really know and, and respect and, and love over this last year, Dr. Patty Levin. Hi, Patty. Good to see you. Hi, Jonathan. It's been quite a year. <laughs> yes, it has. I want to uh, mention how I know Patty and, and why we invited her on the show. Uh, well, uh, first of all, you should know that she's incredibly humble. So anything I say, she will, she will probably say, oh, well, that's nothing or whatever. But she was a pretty well-known psychologist. And then a few years back had some major awakenings, which she'll talk about. But what makes her unique is having gone to a lot of workshops with her over the year. Uh, she's just like the most loving person you can ever meet. And she is kind of like the, the pillar of uh, any group that she's in, in terms of bringing people together and being wise and loving. And, you know, there's not a lot of people like that. So when you meet them, I, I always am heartened. And, and that's why I invited Patty. And um, I thought I'd start, Patty, by asking you uh, a little bit about your initial awakening experiences. Uh, you were a psychologist, and then how did you get into this whole awakening subject? I'm kind of the back door. Um, I was headed to retire as a psychologist after 45 years, and my son took FC3, the finder's course, the third finder's course. And he started telling me, my son was a seeker always, and he started telling me that that critical voice in his head disappeared. And he had tried everything to get it to go. So I said, wow. He said, mom, take this course. You'll learn how to meditate. You're getting ready to retire. And I said, okay. So I did and had no clue what I was getting into. But being the diligent student I am, um, I did everything. And then maybe, let's see, a month and a half into the course, which is a 17-week course, uh, right after Jeffrey Martin, who's the creator of the course, said in one of his lessons, oh, people never wake up during meditation. I let that go. And, of course, I woke up during a meditation. So when I say... I woke up during a meditation. I'm going to have to read this since you lose your so memory, this basically. A, this is a description you wrote down I had after that experience. Yes. So on March 6th, 2015, during my meditation, soon after Jeffrey told us almost no one wakes up while meditating, I got to a place of no place, timeless, vast, 
and awake. Almost no thought at all, no narrator saying awareness words or even noticing things. Just deep, deep inner peace and well-being. An ecstatic, huge smile all over, deep light from somewhere, wisps of happiness and amusement as a random thought would disappear in an embodied manner. A sense of oneness with the universe, of literally being part of other people, sharing our hearts. Near the end, past the hour chime, the words is and be were there. I was there, here, present, but in a very different felt sense. I came out of it and shed tears of ecstasy and gratitude and then went about doing ordinary household and work-related tasks with a sense of calm and equanimity. And the words is and be floating around randomly. So there is a, this is a was. Well, it's kind of an is. <laughs> there is a deep sense of peacefulness and stillness inside me that is palpable to those closest to me. There are almost no negative thoughts or emotions, certainly none that are sticky. My husband, who's been a barometer for me throughout this course, is a wonderful man. And the less wonderful parts of his personality have much less effect on me. My life is full of gratitude, excitement, joy, wonder, love, satisfaction, fullness, and emptiness, oneness in my core, or maybe I'm in the core of oneness. It's all one thing. So the words, the descriptions don't matter. Gone are the old feelings of anxiety, loneliness, existential emptiness, worry, agitation, need for approval, self-critical mental chatter. Gone are the thought streams from the past and the worries about the future. To be fair, I'm not in some perfect zone without a single uncomfortable or negative thing. But when such life events or thoughts or feelings occur, it's like a bubble rising to the surface of a serene lake and the bubble simply pops as it's exposed to air, quite silently, quite seamlessly. It's there and it's gone. And then an update. Almost two years to the day of my first shift, another shift occurred. I was in a meetup, actually. It was one of my own meetups, my oscillation meetup. And Michael Leiden led a short guided meditation, he asked if it, um, on, of all things, self-love. And when I opened my eyes, I wondered who the woman was staring at me on my computer screen. I felt totally stoned, no self, pure bliss, emptiness, thankfully. Amy was there and gave me wonderful guidance, like every arising is a gift. I may have wobbled a bit, and then Tuesday, the next day in the meetup, as I was explaining my maybe shift, a friend said, wait, I want to dig into this a bit, and had me close my eyes. I have no memory of what she said, but again opened my eyes to that same brilliant stillness, emptiness, and wept tears of joy. I went to see her a couple of days later in person and she said she wasn't going to do anything. But the nothing she didn't do stabilized me more. And her advice was don't bother thinking about dual, non-dual, just let it all happen. And it is. I feel like I know nothing, absolutely nothing, and it is lovely. 
I am, or rather am, just being. Words utterly fail. And then on January 1st, 2018, another veil lifted. It seems to be an ongoing shedding for no apparent reason, no doer making anything happen. Some of Patty's preferences and conditioning still arise. No one really here to care. Freedom, liberation. Wow. Wow. Wonderful. Boy, I'm so glad I wrote that down. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We are too. <laughs> Good. You know, a lot of people have awakening experiences, but most of them don't stay around for very long. Mm. Uh, of course, unfortunately, you know nothing. So the answer to this question probably will be short. But um, any idea why this may have stayed around for you? Truly, I have no idea. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I don't understand it on an intellectual level. I actually kind of don't go there. I mean, I can, can go there. But I'm not really interested in going there. So yeah. I don't really know. I mean, I think maybe one thing that's possible is that um, I've been involved in the Finders Course alumni community all this time. And so I've been in online meetups where the energy is absolutely palpable. The transmissions are just wow. And I run a bunch of groups and I organize a lot of stuff. And so I'm very much in the world of other people who have also transitioned and we talk about it we laugh about it we are just together like we were jonathan during the trainings we went to yeah well that's a good answer you know i, I think uh it's kind of like uh the flu you you catch it from other people <laughs> and <laughs> and it, when give, it comes around it goes around people. and <laughs> right. You give it to other people, all those things probably apply. <laughs> that reminds me of my favorite quote from uh, a Sufi teacher, Irina Tweedy. Uh, she asked why she taught and what was her goal. And she said, I want to infect you with my happiness. Oh, oh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. You know, I meditated for a while after the first transition. I probably meditated for another year. And then slowly I just stopped. Mm -hmm. I did kind of what's, what friends of mine and I call resting and awareness. And I meditate every once in a while. I you know, certainly do during the um, vortex healing or I went to a retreat with Rupert Spira and that was all beautiful. But um, I don't have a regular practice other than just being just kind of sinking in here and there. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the practice that you were doing that led up to this? Yeah, I was doing the very first method we learn in the finders course, which is called the eraser. And I think it's, you guys probably know more about what it's based on. It's a breath based meditation following the breath. Jonathan, is it a, it Doug comes Chandler. from a, a, a Vipassana tradition by a guy named Goenka. Okay, um, right, Goenka. So, yeah, it's it's probably the most known method that the Finder's Course teaches. 
and uh, it does seem to do things for people. Um, but you know what I find interesting is that you know it led to an ongoing thing, and most people uh, they have what you call oscillation. They have an experience, and then they come back, and they have an experience, and they come back. And you even lead a group, a meetup group about oscillation. So you get to hear about it. What, what have you learned from leading a group like that for a couple of years? Well, let me just backtrack a little bit because I left a couple of bits out of that story, That's oddly okay. enough. <laughs> um, about three weeks after that boom um, experience, all of a sudden I felt like I lost it. And I was miserable because once having tasted it, I mean, and I was a happy person when I started the finder's course. I was miserable. I cried. I told my husband, you know, I cried with my husband, who at the time thought it was a cult. Uh, he's changed his mind since. And he said, don't worry. You got there once, you'll get there again. So I tried not to worry. <laughs> I did a group awareness uh, method with my small group, and I got it back in the middle of that, kind of came and went. And then I ended up meeting with Fred Davis online and boom, that was it. And I haven't mm -hmm. lost it since. So what I think I know, I don't know what I know, but what I've come to hear over and over again is that people think they've fallen out of it, but really they haven't. They're just full of expectations about what awakening is that you know once you shift into whatever word you want to use there's never going to be anything bad happening again you're never going to get angry you're never going to be provoked you're not never going to feel depressed for a few days um it's all bliss and bunnies and it's not so conditioning still arises and my guess is it does for everyone maybe forever I, I mean, I have no idea. All I know is that with everyone I know, they agree conditioning arises. Only now, conditioning arising is a gift. It's an opportunity to, well, here, to just look at it, mm -hmm. be with it, surrender to it, and then it goes. But, you know, in this experience that you had and in awakening experiences I've had and Brian has probably had, you know, there's a, there's an intensity element. There's a, I don't know, call it bliss or just definitely, obviously feeling part of a unity, something bigger than a personal ego. And that seems to, for most people, fade a lot. And maybe they, you know, in my case, I have access to it if I stop. But during my day-to-day -day life, I would say I am either not aware of that or barely aware. And I'm wondering if you've thought of or noticed any distinctions in these oscillation groups that you've led that are common experiences or common things that help that. Just what you've described. People will go about their ordinary lives, especially people who are working or busy with kids or whatever. And, you know, they're not in the absolute present moment. And then they forget to check in. 
But mm-hmm. when you when you reach inside, you'll find most likely that sense of fundamental okayness, which I imagine you do, Jonathan, no matter what's going on. That's true. You know, sometimes I tell people, they ask me how, how I'm doing. I say, I'm doing great. And then I say, I don't know if it's my consciousness or if it's my life that's going so well. And so every now and then when something goes poorly, I get to see like how I react. So a couple days ago, I was in Oakland and um, my car got smashed in, uh, you know, the windows (laughs) and a bunch of stuff taken. And uh, I wasn't upset in the slightest. And my wife said, well, aren't you upset? I go, well, that won't do any good. Or why would I be upset? You know, and I started to realize, I guess that's different than how it used to be. Exactly. Exactly. But other people will say, you know, will um, have a less than optimal experience than you had. They will get upset. They will scream, you know, at the guy who cuts them off in traffic. And then they'll think, oh, no you know, what does this mean? And then their ego and their mind Mm -hmm. will get going and then they'll think they've lost it. So looking back, pretty sure I never lost it in the beginning. I just thought I did. And I got scared and I let that, you know, mind whirl around and, and that's what happened. So, so a lot of what people need to remember are, their expectations. Because yeah. whatever it is you expect awakening to be, it's probably not. It's not consistent. It's, I mean, maybe there are people, you know, who, you know, sit in a cave somewhere. And for them, it is consistent because <laughs> there's nothing else going on. But uh-huh. even then, maybe, you know, they have a stomach ache and it bothers them. I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's kind of a life still happens and this body is still, I'm inhabiting this body. The experience with it is different because when things happen, I'm not grasping, I'm not identifying with them. If I'm vomiting, it's hysterical (laughs) because I'm noticing just the, amazing physical experience that's happening or mm-hmm. you know if i if my knee hurts so i as rick weinman says after awakening your personality comes with you but your relationship to everything changes so you're you're just you're not grasping onto things you're not identifying you're not getting stuck things are less sticky and and that's what happens to some people who think they're oscillating awesome because they go through a sticky phase and mm-hmm. all they're doing is going through a sticky phase. Mm-hmm. And it also seems like the idea that you should not go through a sticky phase or yeah. the idea that anything that's happening should not be happening seems yes. like, like the thing that makes people feel like they lost it. Right. When actually everything that's happening is perfect and wonderful even if somebody on the street might say oh my god what are you going through it sounds awful it's not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
my husband would like to argue with me about this, of course, because he'll say, what do you mean you love Trump? <laughs> and I'll say, well, I mean, my preference would not be for him to be president, etc. But, uh, you know, I have compassion. Yeah. I have noticed that you um, are consistently loving and uh, accepting of people as they are. And I'm wondering, was it different before your awakening? And how do you experience it differently if you do? I learned it from my mother. I think it's constitutional to some extent. Um, uh -huh. I had an incredibly unconditionally loving mother. She had it the same. And I've probably had, you know, a thousand years of psychotherapy in addition. Um, yeah, and yet I had a lot of horrible things happen in my life as an adult. Um, but I survived them. Now, wait, what was your question? Well, so it sounds like, it sounds like oh, uh, loving, loving the person. awakening did not change that so much. Maybe a bunch of your genetics, your mom and psychotherapy led you to just being more uh, accepting of people. I think awakening did change it. Oh, it did. I think, uh -huh. I think I was always a pretty non-judgmental person. And my patients felt heard and seen and empathized with. But I think this is a whole other thing. I mean, this yeah. is, um, in a way, it's a sea change. I, the love that I have is, well, it's different. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of love without an object. It's just love, um, nimity, joy. It's, um, but I, I, it just radiates out of me. There's no stopping it. And I just, it just, I let it. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever, because this is an old thing that Patty would feel. I don't ever feel resentful or taken advantage of or I'm being, you know, door, a doormat or any of that stuff. None of that. None of that comes up. That so it is. It's, yeah, that fell away. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So do and, you... Oh, go ahead. Just, let me just add one more thing. I also don't feel like I'm giving so much. I'm not getting anything back. That doesn't even occur to me because I'm not looking to anyone to get something back from. I'm not, there's no lack. There's no lack here. Nothing is lacking. So giving is, giving is giving, giving is love. Why not? Mm -hmm. And as far as your sense of identity goes, that personality that's still there that you say, comes with you um do you then have a sense that you have a personality but you aren't a personality you're 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 other than than that that's a great way of describing it yeah there is a personality or a preference for really nice sheets and bedding and you know down pillows and mm -hmm. comfortable fabrics and good food but there's nothing that's driven by anything. So I remember being in graduate school, getting my doctorate, which I did about a dozen years after I got my social work degree. And I remember 
talking a lot in class, which I always did throughout my life. But I know that I was talking a lot to talk, to be heard, to be, to kind of be special. And that's, that's pretty much gone. Well, that's gone. Um, yeah, that's changed. Okay, I lost the question again. <laughs> it was about how how you identify. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. You see the personality as other than the real you. Or like, no, is the... there, there is no real me. There's there is. there is kind of no me. There's there are, are I'm uh, people look at me and call me Patty, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I can relate uh, partly because I had this uh, experience at the Vortex workshop we were at where I entered into that experience for a while. And uh, this woman was talking about me, but I didn't know who she was talking about. She was talking about my books, and I didn't know who she was talking about. And I found it interesting because later that day, I would oscillate between being Jonathan's personality and being this, uh, I'll call it awakened presence. Mm. And I could see like the difference between them very clearly. And the major difference I saw was that the uh, awakened presence uh, was so focused on the moment that it really didn't have room for judgment because judgment is in time. It's what they should be doing now or in the future or shouldn't be doing and there is just a world of isness happening that's how we actually experience the world right and so is that a personality just ising or being <laughs> no i mean it isn't that that's the <laughs> weird thing and and it struck me as funny i mean when when you are in that experience it's self-reinforcing because it is the way we actually experience life uh -huh. one moment at a time yeah so it'd be it's almost like if from an awakened standpoint if you're trying to describe what non-awakened experience is it would sound almost weird that these creatures are creating these stories of past and future that doesn't exist and they live in this storybook fantasy all the time it would sound Wow, that's really screwed up. Yeah. Wow, that is so gone. I mean, I can remember my past more easily when I'm cued. Um, it's not like I've completely forgotten it, but it doesn't matter anymore. It's irrelevant. I'm not yeah. stuck in, you know, going back to memories and I don't even can think about the future. It's not that I don't plan. I, that organized patty is still here. I'm still super organized, but I make a lot of mistakes and I laugh about it. And, mm -hmm. you know, just the next obvious thing. You know, you're, you also have a history of being a psychologist. And uh, I think you're probably familiar with the term waking up and growing up. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what you see as the relationship between those two things, because I used to think that people who were, who wait, who had woken up were automatically grown up. Uh -uh. And I've seen that that's not the case. Not the case. Yeah, right, right. 
But I'm wondering if people who wait, who grow up a lot, like through psychology or personal development, does that help them to wake up or what is the relationship there? So, you know, some people in our community have said that I am very clean. Like I came into awakening with already having done a lot of the growing up and cleaning up. And yeah. I think that that may be true. Doesn't mean that there isn't more to be done. But that's what gets in people's ways. I mean, that's what ends up with, you know, gurus going wrong, bad, Mm -hmm. doing bad things because they haven't grown up. And, And that's conditioning that has been ignored or not noticed or, you know, denied or dissociated or whatever. So... I mean, you could think about it in Ken Wilber's Integral Theory, which, by the way, I I totally love. Um, and if there were some way of of helping people go through the stages of development, that would help them grow up, mm-hmm. and that would be great. Do you think that? waking up does help people to grow up or are they like two totally different spheres? Huh, that's a hard question. I think for some it does. Not necessarily for everyone. And maybe people who wake up much more slowly and incrementally have more time to, um, you know, I was, actually, I don't know that that's true at all. I don't really know. I I think that, you know, in in the oscillation meetings, um, occasionally I will recommend therapy of different kinds of therapy for people. Certainly recommend dismissal methods or the Sedona release or ways mm-hmm. of dealing with conditioning that will help help them grow up. Um, it's th- there's still a role for all of those things for many things. Yeah. Brian, what's your opinion on this? Uh... Well, I think that essentially waking up doesn't absolve you from trying to do the right thing, trying to do the loving thing and making those choices in life. But I also think that when you see everyone as basically you, when you see that that awareness that's looking out through my eyes is the same that's looking out through your eyes, that 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 helps in that, that adds some compassion and it helps you act more lovingly. As long as you know that you're not just because you're awake, you're now not just free to do anything selfish or harmful or egotistical that you want. That's a big caveat. As long as you know. Yeah, right. Right? right. I imagine that's tricky for a lot of It is people. because there are things that remain, you know, urges and um desires and you know all all different kinds of conditioning that addictive kinds of conditioning or whatever that's not particularly helpful you know i i uh came from a tradition where there was a pretty big emphasis on growing up and um now i i know a lot of people have woken up but really haven't done much growing up work and it looks it looks off to me because you can easily fool yourself because you're feeling really great. You're feeling incredibly peaceful, 
but you might not see it. You're creating car crashes behind you, you know, as you go right. through life. Isn't so, that what so, they call spiritual bypass? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's a big problem. True. It's a really big problem. So um, the finder's course also has something called the explorer's course, which deals with growing up, looking at blind spots, mm -hmm. working, working on old traumas or conditioning or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's been, a, it's been very helpful for people. I found it interesting. Uh, you know, I was at this uh, workshop with you a couple months back with about 20 people or 30 people who had taken the finder's course. And my history is uh, really focusing on this thing called blind spots. And, you know, that's, I was with a teacher for 26 years where that's what we did every single day. And we all lived with each other. So, you know, we got to see that. So if you remember at one of our dinners, where, which you put together, of course, Patty, <laughs> I told people, hey, if you're interested in knowing what your blind spots are, I'll I'd tell be glad you. to tell you. I love I'd be glad that. to tell you, you know, uh, because, <laughs> you know, that's something that's very obvious to me. And what was interesting to me is of the 30 people that who were at that dinner, only you and one other person asked me for that information. <laughs> You know, 28 people were not interested in knowing that information or didn't think I knew it, which is also, you know, I can understand that. Um, no, I don't, so I I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> it was the former. <laughs> you know, but if you're not identified with your personality, of course you want to know the blind spots, you know? You don't want to be hurting right. people. Right. So, yeah, I appreciate you asking me. And, and with you, I said, gee, and I actually, I did come up with something. Uh, for you, you did you did I don't remember what it was, but I think it was right um, It had something to do with your marriage Oh, yeah <laughs> Okay, we won't talk about that now. We won't go into detail <laughs> Jonathan, do you remember one of the first of those trainings you and I were talking and I think I pointed out a blind spot of yours. I actually, I asked you, would you mind if I give you a little uh -huh. feedback? Um, I remember exactly where we were standing next to a, um, a stairwell, a yeah. circular stairwell. You remember that? I remember. And I, you know, I think that it just, uh, in a way it connected us because you were so open to hearing and, 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 it was lovely and i you know when you said anybody want it i oh yes me <laughs> but i feel like that with everyone i mean i i wish more people would feel comfortable doing that not my husband so much <laughs> yeah yeah no it's okay he can do it too no it would be nice you know especially as you awaken and you're not so identified with personality to be able to help each other that way and through that, we awaken more and we smooth out our rough edges. Right. And ego, boy, that's a big one that remains for people. I mean, think about it. You know, think about powerful people, you know, in the spiritual community. How much ego mm -hmm. is going on there? I'm not saying e all ego is a bad thing. It's just something that needs to be mindful of, I guess. And if, if, 
I ever am acting from ego, that is definitely a time I would want somebody to call me on it. Right. Yeah. Seems to me uh, to be about control, the desire to control, to control other people's opinions of you, to control other people's behavior, um, but in particular to control your own sense of how good or bad you are and that when we sort of ease up on that looking to control everything and start allowing things to happen then the ego can soften a little bit yeah right so knowing i was going to be doing this interview it was so delightful that there was no ego hanging around making me nervous or thinking you know are they going to like me or am I going to sound intelligent or any of those old things that could have happened because really the only thing that was present was excitement about doing it and looking forward to seeing you, Jonathan, and, and, and meeting you, Brian. I mean, it's, it's, it's just such freedom to and not care. Yeah. And that's so delightful to hear. And I, I, I imagine that our listeners um, hearing that uh, would feel, oh yes, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wonderful to, to experience that or to be in that place? And, and so I would like for them maybe, I mean, for our listeners, just to circle back a little bit and, and ask a few questions. For example, you talked about the erasure meditation that you were doing. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more uh, about that and, and what that was. So the eraser had a number of different iterations in the finder's course. We, and I, I don't know anything about the Goenka, so I, I don't know how much it matches up. But the first one was just notice the air going in and out of your nose and then notice your, you know, upper lip and then, you know, and then uh, feel your body in one inch squares and then another, then I think the last iteration was the one that really did me. And that was the uh, body scan. Yes. So almost imagining, an, uh, you know, like a MRI thing going right through your body all the way down. And, and what, what that meditation had turned out to be for me was I would literally do one slow body scan down and up and then i would just i don't know where i would go and that's where I, that's that's what happened <laughs> <It> <laughs> and one of the, like... one of the uh ideas behind the finders course is that you never know what method is going to do it for you so you try a bunch of different methods and you see what seems to work and that's one of the more popular methods. It does seem to work for some people. And I remember uh, Dr. Martin even said that a lot of people don't feel anything until they do it for 45 minutes. And then at 45 minutes, something tends to kick in. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a science that we're kind of floundering around trying to figure out. And um, that method did nothing for me, but other methods were like you know a punch to the ego for me so it's it's helpful to really try a lot of stuff and see what seems to apply to you at this point in time did and you have apparently a, i'm sorry go ahead did you have a particular method that it, in the finders course that you particularly 
resonated with, or was it, or is that obvious from what you've told us about this particular one? I loved the group awareness uh, exercises. Uh, I don't know if that's considered a method, but um, is it considered a method? Yeah, and that's basically uh, in in our episode number one. We actually talk a lot about it where Ah. people say awareness is and they try to describe it. And uh, yeah, that's very powerful for a lot of people. Right. Um, Plus noting, subtle noting, some of the Shins and Young stuff I really resonated with. Um, uh, One of our community members made kind of a hybrid between noting um, hear and feel and, you know, those things and awareness so we would start out with the noting on the telephone just he and I and then go from the noting to awareness and then at some point one of us or both of us would fall silent and I remember that being one of the most wonderful crazy experiences because I was in this brilliant white stillness and i don't know how long i was there but wow so a lot of that you know it's interesting because i transitioned so early in the course before a lot of the other methods came up i really paid very little attention to the rest of them the noting i did when because i read so i retook the course uh, I, I was started in FC4, I started, then I took FC6, and because I wanted to actually experience the other methods, you know, with a, um, rather than just kind of, and I did, and that's when I really appreciated the knowing, the uh, noting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, one last question, and then Brian might have a, a couple of questions, but, um, you know, you're very oriented towards groups. And I recently actually uh, saw my old teacher and I asked him what were some of his, or what is an indication to you of somebody who's very awake? And he said something like, people who are very awake um, are different in groups. They see, they, they, they don't see themselves as separate from the group. They, they are part of the group. They, they see that we're part of one humanity and there's a different way they are with groups and the different priority they have with creating groups of people like we're one organism. And you certainly more than probably anybody I know uh, demonstrate that in your actions. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you can say anything about that, that, you know, we're in a, a such an individualistic society, but somehow um, groups or seeing the importance of groups is very deep in your bones now. Right. So when I was in social work school, I was a group work major uh-huh. because um, before I went to social work school, actually, when I dropped out of college at one point, I got very involved in the women's movement. Boy, was I lucky timing wise in my life. That was hugely important for me. And I was in six years of consciousness raising groups and then all kinds of different alternative kinds of 
women leaders of women and, you know, you name it. Um, and I loved those groups. And one of the things that people loved about me was that I didn't mind just, you know, exposing myself right in the beginning. And so they would often ask me to do that so that it would kind of be a model for people. Um, that's still true, but it's so different because there isn't a, there isn't a, wow, look at me, I'm special ego part of that. It's not a driven for anything. It's a, you know, I'm real or not real or human or whatever I am, but you know, you're me and I'm you and it's perfect and I love you and there's nothing that you could say or do that would change that. So, mm. so I ran groups all through my career and I, you know, it was my really, my favorite mode of psychotherapy, um, all different kinds of groups and even couples. I did a lot of couples work, which is a different kind of group. So I love groups. I mean, it's just, it's just part of me. Well, a lot of people are grateful for you for having that uh, consciousness and skill. And I'm one of those people. But uh, Brian, I know you had a, a couple more questions. So, uh, Well, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And um, one of the main reasons is because it seems really experiential, not theoretical. I mean, this is, you're just talking about what happened to you and what you experienced. And, but if so forgive me if this becomes a little theoretical but i'm curious about that technique the body scanning um meditation that you were doing and wondering whether the fact that you were slowly scanning your body did that sort of set up a situation where you were the observer of your body where you felt less identified with your body and do you think that contributed to the awakening? Um, maybe, but that first shift, I did not shift into non-duality. And I only know that because the second shift I did. Um, and the second shift was during the awareness group? No, uh, no, the, during the, when I looked up at the screen and I didn't know who that person ah, was staring at me. Yeah, right. that was a year later. I see. Um, so, but the first shift, you know, in our nomenclature, I would say I was in location two. Uh, so not quite what I guess would commonly be known as awake, as in all one thing, non-dual, whatever you want to describe. Um, the body scan was... I don't know that there was an observer. It was just so much a, a being. A, it was just being. It was a being. And there was an awareness that this thing was kind of going through my body. Um, and I could feel it all the way through. And it was, it was, it was really incredible. So still sometimes there's, an observer sometimes, but I, I'm really not sure if there's an observer because there's an object or 
there is no object and there's just an observer somehow observing everything. Right. Well, sometimes when we talk about an observer, then we turn that into an object. And actually, that's sort of not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about sort of pure subjectivity, objectless yeah. observation. That's exactly what it felt like. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Well said. Yeah. Who knew? Any last questions, <laughs> uh, Brian? No, I just, oh, I, I'm just so delighted uh, to be able to talk to you. And, uh, and, uh, and thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Any this final was... words of advice, uh, Patty, uh, for people on their journey? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't want to be a, you know, a salesman for uh, the finders course, but it is an extraordinary protocol um, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, but just keep your expectations down and try to live in the moment and do what Ram Dass says, you know, be here now. Um, just look around and love everyone in the world. Just be. <laughs> How much better? Can well it be? said. H hard to do for many of us, but. Yeah. Oh, uh, but and least... don't beat yourself over the head if if you don't do it right away. Right. Yes. Right. Because there are forces beyond beyond our our efforting that are probably key in whatever happens. And that's another good point. Try not to effort too much. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, it's yeah. really always a pleasure to see you, Patty. And always. And thank you thank for your you. inspiration for me personally. I know Brian was inspired, but for all you do in in people seeking consciousness, your gift and and I appreciate that gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and love to both of you. Really. Mm, same here. I loved it too. Okay. And I totally. loved when you said, "Just be." Yeah. Okay. So awareness explorers, please uh, tell your friends, family. Uh, it's always nice to hear from awakening people. So share this with anybody you think might be good. You know, our last episode was all about how to share this stuff. So if you missed Ooh. that, we got a lot of good comments about that. And I think when you surround yourself with people who are who are into this stuff, that really is a blessing really for everybody. So I hope you're doing that. And Absolutely. until next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you guys. Thank you. Really super. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.